But I'm gonna, <clears throat> I want to start with this idea of grace and describe it this way, that it is what we crave most when our guilt is exposed. It's what we crave most when our guilt is exposed. Next slide, please, if we got it. There we go. You know, when you're busted, as Paula was, and I was too since I was an accomplice, uh, and you have nothing further to add to the equation, uh, you really realize how badly you need grace. And if you uh, are a follower of Christ today, then you know this as well as anybody because you, you came to the point in your life that you really realized how badly you needed grace because you realized the equation was unequal that you were in great debt and in great need and there's nothing else you can do and so that's how we end up we need grace it's also this grace is what we're hesitant to extend when confronted with the guilt of others now think about that for a moment because um, as a parent and in this case I share with you Paula's mom and parents had to deal with this and as a good parent you're constantly walking this balance of both grace and truth. That you, you have the opportunity then to extend some grace to our children as we also are able to apply truth to their lives. But it's not just in the parent and child relationship. It's in our friendships. It's in our, our co-working existence. It's in the church even. That we get opportunities because someone wrongs us and they are in need of grace and then we have to then process. And that's, that's where this tension begins to come in because we need grace and yet it's often hard to extend the same grace. There's a tension there. We're trying to figure it out. You know, we want lots of grace from God want lots of grace when we need it that we need but at the same time it's difficult to pass on that grace when we have been wronged and so it, grace is this it's refreshing and disturbing at the same time both refreshing and disturbing at the same time you are constantly walking this tight rope of uh, yes I need it but it's also disturbing because then I have to give it We're calling it, though, for this message today and for Christmas, as we set into this series, it, it's the unsettling solution for just about everything. This tension of grace. What, we want it, but can we give it? And it's the solution for just about everything. Grace is really this, though. It is the undeserved, unearned, unearnable favor. That's what it is. When we are in need of grace. It's, it's not something that we can say that, okay, I, I deserve grace. No, then you're not, you're not getting it. It's like, that would be like planning your own surprise party and, um, and you plan it all out and you go to it. Uh, and, and at the same time with grace to say, well, I deserve it. You know, I, I had a difficult upbringing and I, uh, I made some bad decisions, but I, I deserve this grace that is here. And it, it, we really have to get to the point that we realize, no, there is a debt here. There is a debt in the relationship, and I, I am in the negative. And so I need 
grace. I need grace from friends and family, and I need grace from the holy God of, the, of all. And so that, that's where this is at. We can't recognize or receive grace for what it is until we're convinced that we don't deserve it. You can't feel as though you deserve grace. You've got to be, uh, just recognize that you're, you're in debt. And this is why God had to show up. We could not know the grace of God without the presence of God. And that's where John begins for us in, in his writings. And some would say, and we'll start in chapter 1. In John chapter 1. And John lived to be old. Lived to be old. He, after the cross, he took care of Jesus' mother, Mary. And he lived to be up in years and um, likely dictated what is written here. And a scribe wrote this down. But he, he told his story. And he, and he begins with exactly this. He says, in the beginning was the, <clears throat> the word... <clears throat> in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The Word became flesh in verse 14 and made His dwelling among us. So this Jesus, this Jesus that John knew uh, became God in a body, God in a body, came to earth and put on human flesh and then dwelt among us. And he says, we, we have seen His glory. We, meaning He and His companions and uh, we have actually seen this, the, His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And He was full of grace and full of truth. He had a, it was equal measure of both. He was full on grace and He was full on truth. And He brought this. This is what John witnessed. This is what he saw as he saw His glory. But He brought both. And Jesus never watered down the truth or turned down the grace. He was full on of both. And I want to share with you some examples of that today. Because we, we could have grown up and maybe we've been influenced by, uh, maybe we went to uh, Grace Church and, and so it was all about grace. And you may be, may be married to someone that it was all about truth and, and maybe a little bit out of balance. And so you're trying to bring those two together. But Jesus was actually about, he was full on of both, full on grace and full on truth. He, um, on one occasion, in looking at this observation of grace and truth, and Jesus is starting to gather followers, and he approaches a tax collector, a Matthew, and he approaches him and says, hey, come follow me. And the funny thing about this with Jesus is that he, he didn't try to explain to Matthew first. I mean, this is, this is kind of the rules of how we're going to go, and this is what I'm looking for, and I'd like you to send me your resume, and we'll go over that a little bit and, and see if you qualify. But no, he just kind of walks onto the scene and says, hey, come follow me. And 
see, tax collector in those days, it was a special category of sinner. As we read throughout Scripture, you'll see there were sinners and then there were tax collectors because they were really special. These tax collectors had bought basically a franchise uh, from Rome, and so they got the right to uh, run these tax collection booths, and they gave Rome their portion, and then they got to charge above and beyond that, and, and they were basically stealing from their people. And so they weren't well-liked. They, they weren't invited to people's parties. They weren't invited out to lunch. Uh, they were uh, just shunned, and even their own family wouldn't have anything to do with them. And this is where Jesus goes. And he's already got, he's got Peter and he's got Andrew. And, and, and they're watching Jesus walk up to this tax collector. This, a, a chief sinner, if you will. And they see him walk up to him. And, and Peter's got to be thinking, oh no. Not this. We're surely not going to do this. You're, oh, you're not going to invite him to follow us. And, and sure enough, Jesus does. Without, without pre-qualifying, without calling him to repentance, he just says, come follow me and so he does and and it says he left his booth you know he may have had an assistant there and left it with them and they they continued the work but he begins to follow and he says where where are we going and he says well we're going Jesus says we're going to your house we're going to your house and so um, they end up doing that and so Matthew if you can imagine his circle of friends is probably a bit small it might be similar tax collectors and similar folks like him and so that's who would be at this dinner party. And so this is where we pick up in this story in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 11. And there's Pharisees, they've gathered outside of this house. And and verse 11 tells us, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, "Why why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so Jesus inside, and he hears this in verse 12 and he responds like this probably just as loud so that the outside folks could hear and he said it is not the healthy who need a doctor but it is the sick and so you're thinking okay i'm at the house of a tax collector i didn't i didn't give him a a a prerequisite i didn't make him do anything but i go to his house and he's invited his friends around and then you think matthew would say well jesus wait a minute you're at my house you invite me to follow you, and then are you calling me sick? And of course, yes, you're sick. You're, you're stealing from your own people. And you, yes, you're sick. And Jesus goes on. He says, but go and learn what this means. He's, he's again, letting it be known to these Pharisees that are there to listen. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So chew on that for a while, guys. You know, you, you who know so much, let me lay this on you. Uh, go and learn. I've got something for you. And I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And again, Jesus, with his, he's, he's got grace going and truth at the same time. Full on of both. On another occasion... And John uh, records this for us in John chapter 8. And I'll just recap for you. But they're at the Temple Mount. And the Pharisees had seized a a lady who had been caught in adultery probably the night before. And they just held her waiting for 
the right moment. And so they, they bring her to Jesus and, and they say, look at this, this woman caught in adultery. What are we to do? And the idea was, well, we're gonna, what, they're, what they're thinking, what is Jesus going to do with this situation? Because the law of Moses says that, we sh- that she should be stoned. And so Jesus, he, he responds in a, in a different way, though. He doesn't, he doesn't react there. And he knows, or <clears throat> in this situation, he, he, they're not going to start stoning right there on the Temple Mount. And the, the holy place of, of everywhere, of the whole world, is, is right here. They're not going to begin to stone right there. But Jesus just kneels down and begins to write on the ground. And he's writing on the ground and he addresses these guys and, and says, the, the first one of you without sin, you, you, you throw that first stone. And then they began to back off and began to leave one-on-one until it was only Jesus and this lady. But he says to her this, he hasn't condemned her, he hasn't thrown a stone, expression, expression of grace. But he says this to her, he says, leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. Different versions. So he, he extends grace, but he also addresses the sin with truth that you are not to do this. Go and leave your life of sin. Expressing grace and expressing truth. You are, not, you are guilty, but I, but I don't condemn you. I give you grace, and I give you truth. And still another occasion, and Jesus is <clears throat> toward the end, and he, he's on the cross. And you can read this in Luke chapter 23, and verse 32. We'll pick up there on the slides today. But Jesus is on the cross, and he's hanging between two thieves and, and two other men. Both criminals were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and the other on his left. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. But not only is he taken to the cross, not only is he innocent and but he's, he's hanging there, and, and this is a cruel death. This is a, a situation where it's very hard to speak because of the weight and the, the difficulty of breathing, and yet we're capturing here a conversation. And in verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. But the other criminal rebuked the other one and said, Don't you fear God? He said, Since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. We have nothing else to offer. But that this man has done nothing wrong. In verse 42, Jesus, the thief said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And you think of that and you look at the lives of these people. you you got two thieves that they perhaps have lived a life that that they're getting what they deserve. They were criminals and they were were being punished rightly. And yet one 
takes his last breath, his last words to be able to mock and ridicule Jesus. And yet the other one takes the effort and the opportunity to say, Jesus, you are, you are, you are God, and I, I ask you, remember me today. I, and you think, that I'm in the last few minutes of my life. I'm, on a, I'm hanging on a cross. I have nothing else to give, and I'm in need of grace, and grace is extended. Grace is given. Jesus, with uh, what breath he is able to muster, says, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. You look at that and you read that and you, you get that picture and, and <clears throat> grace is just not fair. It's not fair. It's, there's an unequal balance. There is a debt that must be paid. Life isn't fair. But folks, grace isn't fair. Grace isn't fair. And I'm grateful for that today. I need a lot of grace. Continually need a lot of grace. And Jesus knew better than anyone about justice and consequences. Some of you could say, well, you know, they're they're getting what they deserve. There's got to be some justice. There's got to be some consequences. And that's right. But here's the thing. Jesus knew in, in going to the cross, he knew that the justice of God would crush us. We could, it would crush us, it would destroy us. There's his justice and his consequences that we are due because of our all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And so we are in great debt. And when you come to that point as a person, as a living, breathing human with a soul and you realize, oh my goodness, I, I am so in debt. I, have, I cannot pay this myself. I am not good enough. I cannot muster this myself. And I'm overwhelmed with the weight of guilt and shame and all that I've done. And I I can't go on like this. And in that, God extends grace to you and I. And, And just like the woman, it is grace I give you, but go and sin no more. Jesus went on like this. He he went on and continued this balance of grace and truth to Peter, Peter who denied him. And when they finally met after the resurrection and Peter's so ashamed that he has abandoned the Lord and that he denied him. And yet Jesus just looks at him and said, hey, I'm putting you in charge of the whole thing. (laughs) That's, That's the God that we know. That's the God that we serve. In Luke 16, 16, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, John the Baptist. And since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. And everyone is forcing their way into it. You see, there is such an attractiveness, attractiveness to the gospel, this good news. It's like, even if you couldn't quite grasp it yourself, even if you thought, "I, I don't know if I can believe that, you should at least want it to be true. You would want it to be true for the sake of yourself, for the sake of others, that this is is not all there is, is this life. That there is eternity. That there is so much more than this. And this is good news. Could it really be true that in spite of the way I feel about myself, in spite of the way that that, that this guilt and shame, is there a way out? Is there a holy God that has sent His Son and extended grace to me? 
grace that in spite of anything I could have done, that God extends that grace to you and to I and just simply says this. Says, he says, come follow me. Come follow me. You see this good news that it <clears throat> came with, with the message of John the Baptist and this good news began to be preached and everyone was forcing their way into it. They were pressing into it to think, could this really be true? I want it to be true. I, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to lean into this because I want this truth to be true. See, at Christmas time, and as John recorded for us, that uh, God came to this earth, that he put on flesh. Because to fully understand, to fully comprehend grace, there has to be a relationship there has to be a person. And so God came to this earth in the form of, of a baby, a baby Jesus. And that's the, that's the word that we use. It is, it is Jesus who came for us. It is Jesus who came to establish the relationship. And it is grace. It is grace expressed in this Christmas season as we, we look to the coming of Jesus is that grace comes onto the picture and grace and truth become that which is offered to us. Jesus, the message is still the same today. Would you come follow me? Because you could be here today and you, you hear this, and you hear this message of grace, this message of truth, and we begin to weigh it out. That's the way kind of it is. We, we begin to weigh it out in our minds that this is, it, could this really be for me? Because not everybody here knows all the awful things that I have done. I have sinned against God. I have sinned against me, sinned against my family, sinned against those who would love me. And I, there's, there's so much there, and you don't know what I've done. You don't know what has happened to me. And you consider, could this, could this be for me? Would this grace extend even to me? That, that's where you and I begin to process and many of you, this is a review, you, you've been walking with Jesus a long time. But others of you may be here and you, you just have never crossed the line of faith. And we want to help you with that today. If you need a question answered, you need uh, someone to pray with you, you need to be able to un unpack this a little bit more. Um, after this service today, I'm going to be off on this side to my left. And there will be others as well. If you'd like to pray today, if you'd like to find the God of heaven to be in personal relationship with you, then I want to I walk you through those steps. We're going to love on you, and we're going to help you uh, walk out of here today uh, knowing the God of the universe in his grace and his truth and his mercy for you. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today for grace and for truth. I thank you for that. Oh God, I, I need your grace. 